Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or fumble like a Craig of Brian Gumbo. Standing on the ground, black feet burned. Coming worms and charts, and I'm doing it on my terms. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punched, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok. They just call me the mouth of the South. And alongside of me today is the priest of payments, the chancellor of checks, the amazing Ben Fike of Inc. Payments, and as always, the radiantly ran the receptively ravishing, the one, the only, baby cakes, Miss Donna How's everybody doing? You know, not everybody's getting to hear the first time, but they're going to get to hear the best time. Everybody, we actually tried to get together and do this, and so you're really listening to take two. So, I mean... Like, uh, last week, or the, the podcast that came out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I mean... Was it the one that came out today? Was it? No, it's the one that's. I don't know anymore. I'm. So- well, they're running together. I mean, we have we have actually. I, I just want to point out that that the Rumble has published over thirty episodes. Today was thirty-one, which, which is really yeah. We've published the thirty-first episode. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, we no have. We are we are so proud of the show. We have worked hard on it. Um, we're continuing to work hard on it. And uh, I just I'm so excited about the people that are making this possible, such as, um, you know, Ink Payments. And we've got Ben Fike from Ink Payments with us today. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm super excited. And like I said, back for the very first time. So, so before everybody turns off the radio because they don't want to hear one more sales pitch, this is not about a sales pitch. That's not what we're talking about today. Not sales at all. It no, is not is, sales. This is, this is, this is not a sales pitch. This is going to be a very interesting educational show. But before we get into it, I got to throw it to baby cakes for all of the crazy craziness that is going on in the world. What do you got for us, baby Fun cakes? facts with baby cakes. Fun um, facts with baby cakes. We're going to talk about actors who died while fil- filming their last movie. Actors who died while filming their last movie. Okay, go. Okay, so we've got Philip Seymour Hoffman. He died of an overdose while he was filming The Hunger Games Mockingjay. Luke Perry um, died of a stroke while he was filming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. James Dean died in a car accident while he was filming Giant. Um, Fun fact about that, Luke Perry was often compared to James Dean in looks and acting. I I actually have heard that. I actually heard that. Yep. Um, Natalie Wood, she either drowned or was murdered. We don't know which. They're, they're opening up that investigation again. You gasp. Yeah. <gasps> um, she, uh, she was filming Brainstorm. And a fun fact with her and James Dean, they were both starred in um, Rebel Without a Cause. That was James Dean's most famous movie. It was. Um, Heath Ledger died of an overdose while filming The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. If you've ever seen that, that's the weirdest movie ever. I've, I've missed I've just that seen one. Previews. I, I've, I've missed that, that one. That's the one I was going to bring up because, you know, they, they, we all as a collective society, I think, got robbed, you know, with his overdose because I actually just watched The Dark Knight just the other day, um, completely all the way through. And what a masterpiece. And I think we all got robbed, really, of the sequels that are just about the Joker and prequels that could have happened off of Heath Ledger's portrayal. He was a very big inspiration on the sinister side of the Joker. Now, I'm not a huge comic book guy, you know, and when I, you know, like, I'm really not. I'm really not. I So all of you comic book people out there that are about to throw rocks at me, I am just a guy that watched a movie. Okay. A lot of people was, want to throw rocks at you. Apparently. I, I, I they do. They do. <laughs> I, it's probably because I'm such a big freaking target. I think that's what it is. Maybe. Yeah. I'm easy to hit. That's that's the reason why. But um, no, the uh, I just I really loved how dark that that character was. You know what I'm saying? Like I I and I think Jared Leto got a lot of inspiration off of that. Well, and even too, what's the latest guy? Uh, Walking Phoenix. I mean, to that me, was so good. I love I love Walking Phoenix in a lot of movies, but you know, to me, it just—I mean, Heath kind of ruined it for everybody. I kind of look at it all like exactly yep. what you're saying. Like, I kind of look at it now through the prism 
of what Heath Ledger did. Okay. Yeah. So we have a couple more. Um, Brandon Lee died. He was shot with a prop gun while filming The Crow. Yeah. Bruce Lee was filming Game of Death. And fun fact, they are father and son. Yeah, we knew that. I knew yeah, that. Everybody knew yeah, that. Yeah. Paul Walker died in a car accident while filming Fast and Furious 30. No, actually, Fast and Furious 7. <laughs> is that, just is that the one they go into space? Did he not put a spacesuit on? I don't know which on? one it I is. I think that must have been There's the so one it was. Fun fact, um, he was in a Porsche, the same type of Porsche that James Dean was in in his car accident. There wow. we go. Was he street racing? Uh, no, they were just driving, I guess, at a very high rate of speed. There we go. Um, that happens. Philip Seymour Hoffman died of an overdose while filming um, Hunger Games Mockingjay. You said that already. Did I? That was one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yep. I already did. Okay, so this one's this one surprised me. I didn't know this. Chris Farley died of an overdose while, while doing the voiceover for Shrek. I had no idea that yeah. he was doing. Wow! He almost had. He was almost done. They were almost done with all of the. So did he end up still doing the the part? I didn't even realize no. Chris Farley was in it. No, no. It was, it's uh, uh, what's his name? Mike Myers. He's yeah, they that's started who it is all now. over yep. with. Mike they started all. Oh, so I've never Chris heard Farley that. was the wow. original Shrek. Yep, they were almost done with the dialogue, and they had to start all over with. Oh them. wow, that's it. I didn't. I have never heard that. I sound like Johnny Carson. I did not know that. Well, now you know, and knowing is half the bullshit. Some weird, wild stuff. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you so very much. Guys, we have got one heck of a show today. Um, I have brought in a specialist to kind of discuss um, the art of payments. And this is not, again, this is not a sales show. This is really how you handle the money that's coming into your firm and what you do with it and how to be responsible with it. It's going to come to you in three different rounds. When you hear this sound, you'll know that the round has begun. And when you hear this sound, you know that the round is over. Now, again, this is not a debate show. This is commentary um, on what you guys deal with on a day-to-day basis. I am thankful that I have been here alongside me to help me out kind of weed through all of these things we're going to try to cover as much as we can scenario wise that you may deal with so get ready here we go because round one starts right after this public adjusters listen up it's jeremy lavelle owner of remedy claims consulting host of the rumble and most importantly your claims coach public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find sure you can take some online seminars you can show up to conferences but none of them tailor training just for you until now whether you need to learn how to estimate scope negotiate or prospect i can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to z or you're just wanting to help are you just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim? I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click Get Started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click Get Started. You can even shoot me an email at Jeremy at remedyclaims.com that's j-e-r-o-m-y at remedyclaims.com it's time to move your career to the next level round one no mortgage company we get all kinds of checks in all the time and my favorite one if i get a check in from a carrier my favorite one is the one that just has my name and the homeowner's name because that is so much easier but i will tell you even with that comes a lot of anxiety a ton of anxiety and enter probably the best service that i at remedy claims or as a public adjuster had come across and i'm going to tell a story This story involves a client that was in a different state. Now, it's an adjacent state, and it's all the details I'm going to give. Let your imagination run wild. Most of my audience knows I'm in Texas, so you have one of three states, four states to pick from. I will give you a hint. I'm not licensed in New Mexico, so there you go. I've I've whittled it down. You have a 33% (laughs) chance of guessing what it is. Anyway, I'm in this state. And amidst a month, a bunch of question marks in this claim, mainly the motivation of the client. And I was I was a fairly new public adjuster at the time, and I was motivated to help as many people as I possibly could. 
And I found myself at the end of it all, never mind the details of this, I found myself at the end of it all waiting in the parking lot of a bank, waiting and hoping that I was going, they were not going to put a hold on the check or they weren't going to do anything. And I was deathly worried about, was it about $8,000? Was it somewhere? Um, yeah. yeah, it was about eight grand. Is we what we it were was, lucky right? to get to the parking lot with these people. Yeah, we were lucky to actually d- herd them into a bank itself. And I, we're still pretty sure. I can't remember if it was their bank or if it was the bank that the check was drawn on. I can't remember. But I want to say that it was the bank that the check was drawn on because I wanted to cash the check and get the money. And But, I'm, but the, at the end of the day, that's not how I want to spend my time as a public adjuster. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Having to drive to that other state. Having to drive to a complete and different state with the check. And I mean, very nervously handing over what could have been a, what was an endorsed check to a building that had multiple exits and I could only cover one of the exits. And I'm telling (laughs) you, that's what I'm sitting there thinking. And I, you know, and I even parked my car in such a position that I was aware of whatever exits and I said, and I even made them park their car and I wasn't letting people leave and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm dead serious. I was afraid that they were going to take off with our money and there would have been nothing we could do about it other than our contract. But I mean, we would have never seen our money at the end of the day. It would have been in someone's arm, I imagine. And so... I am not long after this event, I am walking through the storm restoration contractor show or summit um, that is held annually here in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. I'm walking through the show and I happen upon two gentlemen. One is named Ryan Holiday and the other one is named Ken Lawler. And I discovered Ink payments. And I'm telling you from that moment forward, what that did to my business and the peace of mind it brought to me was absolutely stellar. Now, I promise that this would not be a sales pitch for ink, and it's not. So, what we're going to talk about is the importance of managing those payments. So, I'm going to throw this to Ben. So, Ben, what tell me how ink works just when it's the public adjuster and and the and the uh insured on the check how does it work what's the what's the ins and outs and then i'm gonna provide some commentary from a public adjuster standpoint on what on how we deal with those things excellent yeah no i'm, I'm happy to um so you know thirty thousand foot view you know inc is a multi-party payments platform um, and then we also provide you know different funding solutions so um, just financial services overall for the restoration industry. And so one of the things that the founders, Ken and Ryan, did in setting up the business was setting it up so that we are partnered with a bank so to have our own deposit rails. And so it gives the customers of ours two-way banking. And it gives you the feature like you have with your personal bank where you remote deposit capture. You know, your grandma sends you a check and that was sweet of her for your birthday, Right. Uh, and you just take a picture of the check in the in the banking app and you send that to the bank and they move the funds for you. And so that's really what Inc. has built just on the base level, the base service. Um, it's completely free and included with um, an Inc. account uh, for a contractor, PA or, or a property attorney. And so what you're able to do is to move funds um, up to $1.5 million per check digitally by taking a picture of that check as long as there's no mortgage company on it you take a picture of that check uh, tell us who the stakeholders are and how much they should receive everyone signs off electronically for the transaction approving that those monies go to certain people and then we move the funds and it's less than a five day it's five day hold or less so where you're your homeowner is going to go to their bank and try to cash that. They're going to get a 10-day hold. Um, we can cut that in half at least. But it also gives you guys the feature where you don't have to drive out of state. You don't have to be subject to the mailman um, and how fast or slow or if at all those checks get to you. Instead, you can just have that out-of-state client take a picture of it, send it to you. You can request that they take a picture of it and add it to the app. A couple different ways you can do that. Again, put it in the stakeholders, everybody signs off, and we move the funds remotely. So kind of like Cash App for contractors or or restoration professionals is kind of the easy way to describe it. Okay. 
here's the biggest difference between Cash App or Zelle or Venmo or all of these other peer-to-peer payment apps, okay? Um, I know that different banks for a hot second there like had their own, like Wells Fargo had their own and Chase had their own and and you've got Apple Pay, which is also a peer-to-peer payment app. Here's the big difference between those. Those typically cap out at a at a, at a level that is that is really very small. That's number one. And by small, I mean usually less than five thousand dollars. I don't know. They may be a little bit higher, but I know that they're not as big as one point five million dollars. I know. I know that for a fact. Um. That is that is that is the biggest thing that I would see. Now, I, I am not telling you that you can't just go deposit it and Venmo, whoever it is, because generally if a public adjuster, because most commonly those checks, Ben, are mailed to the public adjuster and we get the check right. and conventionally here's kind of how it works. All right. So we would go to our homeowner. We would either um, we would either you know, drive over to their house, meet them somewhere, or we would mail it. They would endorse it. They would send it back. They would send it back to us. Okay. Then we would deposit it. And then we would write them a, this is, this is old school. Then you would write them a check. So sometimes this check um, could possibly be deposited into a trust account. Um, It could be deposited into a, um, into an escrow account, depending on what state you're in. Now, I don't believe public adjusters in the state of Texas primarily are allowed to have, uh, they're not allowed to have escrow accounts or trust accounts. Attorneys can have them, but public adjusters cannot. Now, I could be wrong about that, so don't hold me to it. But at the end of the day, you are 100%, if that's the way you're going to do it, whether it's a trust account, escrow account, your own personal bank account, and you're going to handle the dispersing of funds to everybody, that puts you, the liability of those funds and that money, squarely on your shoulders. So um, I I know that there are situations where, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying that this happens to some people. I am not... Um, trying to give you any kind of workaround so to speak i'm not trying to give you a workaround so to speak but there's a lot of situations where the government decides to put their hands into your bank account and freeze that money whether you're behind on child support whether you're behind on your taxes or you're um you know typically they don't make an error in that and so if that is a situation that you're in then you need to make moves to get that rectified so um I I have found that it when you can release liability from what you're doing, it is a very important thing to do. Um, and that is one solution there that I would highly recommend. Now, Ben, um, <clears throat> it's I you know, and here's the other thing that I like about it is that once the check comes in, even though it's got two parties on it, you can actually determine how many different parties that that may go to. Right. You can you can split that up to like if they're one like let's say there's not a general contractor and there's multiple contractors that that thing needs to be paid. That is something the public adjuster can handle for them. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah. When you upload the file, you get complete control over how to disperse those funds. And so obviously, you know, you're working lockstep with your property owner. Uh, but you can, you know, take one check and, you know, the homeowner doesn't have to put it through their bank account or any, nobody has to do that. Um, you can do electronic signatures and then we can disperse those funds um, to as many parties as you want. And then everybody is going to sign off that's receiving those funds and and that is approving those funds like your property owner. So it really gives you the flexibility um, to to send those payments in a in a cleaner, easier, more efficient way. And that'd be one of the biggest things I would say is that, you know, really what we're trying to do is to let you get back or your employees have you guys doing revenue generating tasks that are not driving to go get pieces of paper to then drive that piece of paper to your office to have your admin then drive that piece of paper to a bank and then you're waiting on the bank to clear the funds this i mean i have clients right now they are on another roof waiting for the adjuster to finish up their reports and stuff and they're on the phone with another client maybe it's a retail bid maybe it's a repair maybe it's an insurance check like you're talking and they say, great, Mr. Smith, go ahead and just text me a photo of that. I'll put it through ink. Um, and you're going to do one DocuSign. We'll get the funds flowing and get you on the production schedule or get uh, you know your fees settled uh, right now or 
whatever it may be. So it's really a convenience. It's an efficiency thing. And it's really just bringing, you know, the, the, the checks and the payment sector into the 21st century. Because right now, in some ways, um, they're still back. You know, 1989 was a great year, uh, but they're, they're kind of in that mode right now. And um, if you look around just other things, you know, the last time you had a physical ticket to a concert um, or something like that. So a lot of other payments are going digital. Uh, we're trying to lead the charge in the restoration industry to eliminate the paper check and the pain that comes along with a piece of paper you know, that's handling up to hundreds of thousands of dollars that are crucial for a repair of a structure or getting somebody back in their home. And so um, without a mortgage company, it's a really easy solve with us. Basically, a remote deposit capture, a little bit of DocuSign, connect your bank account via Plaid, and, and we can move those funds while you're out doing other things to help grow your business and, and make your customers happy. Well, let me let me let me ask this. Okay, so and and I know you guys are constantly changing everything. One of the things that that I like is the is the digital feature. So, uh, what are the thresholds for the digital check where I can just take a picture of it and you know that kind of thing? One point five million per transaction. So, if you had a, a large multifamily, maybe it's a commercial job. Um, a good use case for it is you know that commercial that commercial strip mall owner, you know, lives out of state or there's two owners out of state, right? And instead of mailing a check, now you can get, you know, an $850,000 job or um, even if it's a $3 million job, you could break it up with two payments, have them, you know, message you somehow or upload directly in the system um, the picture of the check and do electronic signatures. And you're not waiting for a physical piece of paper to float through the mail state to state and then land at the final person to pick up, take to a banking institution and cash. So 1.5 million. Uh, so pretty, pretty hefty amounts that you can put through our rails. So again, I mean, if you repeat, if, if, if I'm asking a question here, I'm sorry, I may be a little bit distracted no and missing some of this. Um, but on the, what, how big a check can you take a picture of? 1.5 million. It's up to 1.5 million now. Yes, sir. But you yes, need sir. a wet signature, right? No, that's that's all that's all with the digital transaction. So with, with there's no mortgage company, uh, let's say you're doing a repair program, you're doing a complete a retail roof or something like that. Or maybe uh -huh. somebody just has your fees. You're an attorney or an adjuster. Right. And somebody owes you the fee amount. Maybe they don't have a mortgage. Right. So the insurance proceeds come in. It's got the adjuster firm and it's got the homeowner on it. As long as that checks under one point five million, you can process it all remotely with with DocuSigns and, and taking a couple pictures with your cell phone. So, but at one point in time, it was lower, right? I mean, 40, have you, it was 40,000 at one point in time. I thought, is that not right? Is that, is that? So the, the 40,000 comes into when the mortgage companies are uh, deciding on monitored claims or not. And so that, you know, that leads actually a good segue into our next conversation. But when there's mortgage companies involved, the $40,000 threshold is where they kind of decide how they're going to handle the claim and, and the claim funds disbursement. Okay. I got you. So, but if it's just, if it's just, if it's, it, like I'm, I'm just thinking about our large client, Donna. Just between you and me, mm -hmm. thinking about our large client when it doesn't have a mortgage company, but it may be a hundred thousand dollar check. It doesn't have to. We don't have to get his wet signature. It can be a digital signature, right? Yeah, correct, correct. It is, it is all digital with no mortgage company. It is all digital. Um, we'll talk about it in the next, but we're working on digital solutions with mortgage companies that'll be rolling uh -huh. out. Uh, but right now, yeah, no mortgage company, as long as it's under 1.5 million, you don't have to wait on the check to go through the mail. You don't have to go get wet signatures. Uh, a digital DocuSigns will do. And that's what we send out. And that's what our banking partner you know, allows us to do and, and why they set up the company that way. So that it's a contractor. It's a restoration industry friendly service like that to, to make it make sense and get you guys doing other you know, revenue generating tasks besides picking up pieces of paper. Man, I, I can't I can't tell you how how great that is. And it does. And one of the things that I like about about this entire concept and idea is it does allow a public adjuster to work in multiple states without having to go and deal with the, the snail mail or the FedEx or the UPS of it all waiting on those things to happen. So it is a really it is a really nice feature that you can do that you can absolutely do this digitally it's it's such a nice thing to do but um any final thoughts on that ben just uh you know just real quick you know i, I just want to point out guys that you can sign up 
uh, for ink. Um, I'll be hitting I'll be hitting this with you guys on a on a, on a couple of different rounds where you can go to ink.com and get all of the information that you need to sign up for ink. It's a you know it's 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 an awesome opportunity. But we're gonna get into some things that get a little bit stickier and how we handle that mortgage company in round two. Round two starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, monitored versus non-monitored claims. Okay, Ben, so just tell me. Um, I think a lot of people may know, you know what I mean? But for that guy that's sitting in traffic, you know, and he's actually on his way to to drop a check off at a bank or something like that, let's talk about the difference between monitored and non-monitored. And is there any way to tell when we get the check in the mail whether or not it's going to be monitored or non-monitored? Yeah, definitely. So I, I get a couple questions all the time. Uh, the first one is, you know, what happens when a mortgage company is listed on the pay to order line of an insurance claim check? So that answer depends on a couple details. First, from the mortgage company's perspective, they're going to look at the claim's total replacement cost value. And second, they're going to look at the property owner's loan status. So using those two factors, the mortgage company is going to decide, are they going to simply stamp and release the check or are they going to monitor the entire claim? So if they monitor the claim, all payees will hand sign the back of the check, including an adjusting firm or a contractor, anybody who's listed there, and then they'll send it to the mortgage company. Um, the mortgage company will deposit that into an escrow account for the property owner, and then they'll disperse the funds in stages as the property is repaired and in, uh, as inspections are ordered. Um, so then obviously the next question that always comes up is, do all the mortgage companies have the same definition of a monitored claim and do they all work off of the same disbursement schedule? Unfortunately, that answer is no. Um, so with Inc, we have over 225 mortgage companies that are currently on the platform and growing every day, but most have their own unique policies on how to disperse funds and how to handle insurance claim checks. So some will monitor every claim. Some won't, some will monitor the claim, even if the replacement cost value is under $40,000. And that's because the property owner has had mortgage delinquencies or modifications within the last two, two years from the date of loss. So, um, you know, the best way you know, to handle that is, and that's what we provide is that turnkey solution where no matter what check comes back, if the check comes back and they don't have a mortgage, right? Like we talked in the first round, you can process that with us. If it comes back with a mortgage company on it, um, whether it's regardless of its monitoring status, we have the ability to help you and your property owner along with that, with the least amount of headache, the least amount of waiting, going to the bank, things, all the things of that nature, and just waiting. You know, contractors and public adjusters they wait, or adjusters I know will ride around with, you know, their checks they're holding hostage in, you know, the uh, glove box of their truck, you know, because they they need to have their their fee leverage, you know, they got to retain that. So it just kind of helps with uh, lots of different things, uh, whether the check is monitored or not. That's simply from the mortgage company. I don't defend insurance companies or mortgage companies a ton, but if you put yourselves in their shoes, what they're worried about when they decide to monitor a claim is if Mr. Smith has been behind on his couple thousand dollar mortgage, you know, a couple times in the past 24 months, then are we worried about giving him a liquid sum of $50,000, right, all at once? And will he buy a Corvette or go to Disneyland or will he repair his home? Or will the contractor, you know, not follow through? And that, that's what really the mortgage company is worried about. Now, the problem is the way they go about it, it's all different. Um, it's super confusing. Um, a lot of their policies on disbursements have to do with a home that's being reconstructed after a large loss. 
Um, you're not going to tear apart a roof in four stages and rebuild it and put an inspection in between over the course of a month or whatever, or many months, right? That's not going to happen. So a lot of times that's where roofers get frustrated is they say, how are they only going to disperse 25% and want an inspection? Like, what am I going to do? Take off these three slopes? Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, you know, the pain of the monitored claim, so to speak, right? I mean, <laughs> right. It kind of fits in with what you guys do, right? Well, um, I want, you, you said, you said Mr. Smith goes and buys a Corvette with the money. I'm going to tell you one of the things that made me very nervous about the little anecdote that I told at the top of the show is that these people, they bought uh, a brand new charger. They bought a brand, they were driving around <laughs> in a brand new charger. Well, and at least he's got good taste then, you know? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm a Dodge guy. So. One of them was unemployed <laughs> and the other one worked at Walgreens. And like, part I mean, time. Huh? part time, part time, and oh, they were man. driving around in a brand new charger. So you can understand why I was a little bit concerned about getting, um, getting paid on this one because there was, you know, because yeah. this was like the final payment that was coming through on that particular. Sure. So yes, they are worried if they're behind on their mortgage, those kinds of things. So that, that, that is something that can trigger a monitor claim. Now, another thing that can trigger a, a trigger, a monitor claim is the percentage of work that's being done. Um, guys, if you have a house that it's basically a gut, it doesn't matter how well they pay, how up to date they are, how responsible these people are. Um, if, if their house has gone through a significant event and they have gutted the house almost like a fire or a, uh, you know, an extensive water loss or something like that, many times, no matter how good the people are. They're going to monitor the claim because it's their investment. They have they have a vested financial interest on whether it's going to be on whether or not that those repairs get done. And I'm going to tell you, I don't necessarily always hate a monitored claim for this reason. And this reason alone is monitored claims pretty much 100 percent guarantee they're going to do the work. So you're not stuck with just the ACV money. You know, because it's a real difficult. Now, in Texas, we're allowed to charge on the RCV value of the claim. Um, Oklahoma, we're allowed to charge on the RCV value of the claim. So whether or not they recover the depreciation or not, um, you, you're able to you're able to collect that. The other thing that I would tell you is when they get that ACV check in and you find out that they're not going to do the work and you're in control of the payments, you're the one that has the ability to go, this is what you owe me and we won't process this payment until you agree to this. And so that is another thing that is really, really handy. It does, it does put a fair amount of leverage on your side of the table. And that's one of the things that I like about it. So even in a non-monitored situation where it's essentially, I think you call it just stamp and release, where they just stamp and release it or whatever. Correct. How many are, are there? How many banks do you have right now that are doing it digitally? Do you have Do you have a number in your head that you know of? Yeah, I, I think a handful. Um, I think there's there's under ten, between five and ten, and those are those are smaller banking institutions that have adopted. Basically, they've adopted the Inc. Pay, which we talked about in the first round, on a on a monitored or a non monitored check. They they want to process it digitally because they see the efficiencies. Um, it's great that you asked that though. So one of the things that we're working on um, is our partnership with SWBC and later will come Assurant. You know, a lot of people don't know that these banks get big enough and they actually don't do some of the regular remedial functions themselves. They will farm it out to a third party that maybe handles other banking services that aren't sure. uber profitable for them because they don't want their high level Wells Fargo, Chase, Bank of America employee that's costing them a lot of money and overhead processing stuff that they don't really make a lot of return on. So they'll farm these out. Um, Assurant, SWBC are a couple of those. But we are in some of the final stages of rolling out a program with SWBC where it will be a digital process where the check will land. We take a picture of it and the rest of the process is digital. So all the checks and balances remain in place. Everybody's protected like normal, but we're not beholden to sending a piece of paper with thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars through the mail in order to have all these checks and balances. We can do digital checks and balances. So SWBC services at least 10 mortgage companies that we have relationships already on the platform. Now, obviously we have over 200, um, so that's just a small percentage, but we really think that this is, going to be yet another proof of concept of what we're doing to you know change the restoration industry change the payment claims 
industry and how this stuff gets sent out because ultimately everybody saves and is in a better spot the faster that this goes. That's the so, point. That's the point is mm-hmm. the process of actually getting the cash to the people that need the money, that need the cash, whether it's the public adjuster that's provided the service that needs to feed his family, or it's getting the money to the contractor so that the repairs can get made so that people can move back into their home or, you know, get back to whatever normal life that they need to get to. Let me ask you this thing on a monitored, on a monitor claim, because I, I'm telling you, I'm living this right now. And I often say, that subject matter on the rumble is pulled straight from the dirt from underneath my fingernails. You know what I mean? The stuff that I'm out there, because guys, I'm still working claims. I'm not just a famous podcast celebrity. I'm not. I'm actually, I actually work claims, you know, and uh, I mean, despite the dozens of people around the world listening to me right now, you know, I actually get out there and, and work claims and, and I, and I work and I work them. Um, you know, I, I am always looking for a way to streamline to streamline things, but I have got a personal situation right now where it is a monitored claim. Ben, obviously you and I are working side by side. So we're going to leave banks, carriers, names out of this. Okay. Um, But we're working it right now where it is a monitored claim. It's rightfully to be monitored. I'm not mad about it. The, um, the lender is behaving absolutely amazing. There is nothing wrong. It is not a headache. It is a step. It is just simply another step in the process, but they're being very amicable about it. They're responsive, all of that. But when they cut loose that first that first release of money, okay, they've cut loose that first release of money. They made the check out to um, they made the check out directly to the homeowner. Okay. Now the homeowner can just go cash that. Um, sometimes they'll make the check out to the homeowner and the public adjuster. Obviously that's, that's simple to upload it through ink and then process it that way. Now that's a whole different check, even though we've processed this money before. Does that, is that free because there's no mortgage company on it? Is that what happens? Is that checked in process for free or what happens if they just mail it straight to the homeowner and then the public adjuster is kind of sitting out the, out in the cold. So talk about that when they, when they, what, what do we do there? Correct. Yeah. So in a monitored situation um, or even not monitored, but especially monitored, what happens is this, since those funds go into escrow, they are then released and usually it's on a separate check. And so that check will sometimes go despite our instructions, despite maybe the adjuster firm's request, whoever it is, law firm's request. Sometimes they'll just kind of go rogue and send it, or maybe that's their policy. They only send it to the homeowner, only to their address, only with their name on it, etc. Now, what Inc. Inc. can do a lot of things to help out the process. One thing that we cannot do is we cannot overcome dishonest individuals, right? So if they, if a property owner is going to break the promise that they signed to with Inc., that they signed to with their adjusting firm, that they signed to with their contractor, unfortunately, we can't go in and pull the money out of their bank account. You know, like you want, like sometimes you don't get paid and you want to go repo the roof, right? But going in and tearing off shingles off the house is frowned upon. So they don't, they don't recommend you do that. They call it vandalism. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So not a covered peril, right? (laughs) Um, But, uh, but what we want to do is, is go at it a different way. And we want to help the homeowner understand that even though their mortgage company will send them paperwork with that direct disbursement check that says, hey, go ahead and take this to the bank, cash it, pay your contractor. We actually want to help them avoid delays in that because usually no matter how big that check is, the bank is likely going to put a 10-day hold on that disbursement check if the homeowner just drives straight to the bank, right? Correct. And so what we want to do is say, Mr. Smith, when that check lands, it's just going to have your name on it. Go ahead and just text me or, or message me a picture or I can request it through the system. I just need a picture of the back of that check with the mortgage stamp on it. And then the rest of it, will ink will process digitally to the, to the disbursement schedule that everybody has described up front and has signed to. And it's a five-day hold or less, depending on that particular property owner's bank. Right. So we can say, Mr. Smith, save a trip to the bank. You don't have to wait three days until you got time with your kids' practice and stuff like that. Just message us a picture of it. We'll upload it to Inc. We'll process the funds like everybody signed off to. You'll have a five-day hold at maximum. You'll get on the production schedule of your contractor a week sooner. You know, 10 business days can be two, two, three weeks, right? 
So that's really the way that you want to present it to them is that, again, you're going above and beyond using technology to help out the situation. But also, we're trying to protect the contractor. We're trying to protect the leverage of collecting the fee of the adjusters and the attorneys on the platform. But that's currently how. One more thing I will add on that. When the when those programs go live where we have a digital mortgage experience, that will then close that exposure loop because there will be no check to send back to the homeowner. It will all stay in the ecosystem to have those checks and balances. Very similar. If you want to look up on the side here, um, one of our partners is Moment. They do closed loop financing, so they get a virtual approval. Then they request that Moment sends the, their contractor the money and they can do that based on their construction schedule. So it kind of closes the loop kind of like that does um, where it'll be less exposure for the adjusters and attorneys on our platform. Well, I, I love the le less exposure kind of thing. I also like um, just the, just the simple streamlined nature of it all. And I'm not, and I, I don't want to unpack something that I've already talked about. And it's just, I mean, and how much quicker it makes it because a lot of times those first checks are going to be 30, 35, 40, 50, 60,000, depending on the size of the loss, it can still be a much larger check than would typically go into your homeowner's bank account, right? It's already a much larger sum of money. And anytime that you have a deposit, that is that is a large deposit those deposits automatically get flagged just automatically they're going to get flagged it might be their whole year of income it, in yeah it really could be it could be even more it's not uncommon for it to be more on some of these losses especially when right. you have catastrophic events like you know hurricanes and hailstorms and uh freezes and all of these catastrophic events that we have seen an absolute rash of do you know what I mean? The other thing that it is, is keeping these things organized and processed. So you don't have this stack of things sitting on your desk, making sure, wondering where it is. What is this thing doing? What's going on? It really, it allows you to handle things like that easily and in the moment. That is, you know, when it comes to these monitored versus non-monitored. And here's the other thing that I love. Here's the other thing I love. I'm going to wrap this up with this one, okay? is that when you are sitting in a situation where there is a check that needs to be endorsed, that there is a, you know, a mortgage company, something needs to be mailed, Inc. is not going to let you forget it, <laughs> okay? Inc. is going to send out emails. I have a check right now that has been going on for, for months and months and months and months. Okay. And it has, it's a claim, it's a fire claim. And we have been dealing with this thing. And all of a sudden, the mortgage company decided out of like a six figure loss, they have decided now to monitor a $3,000 check. None of it's been monitored up till now, but now they want to monitor this last $3,000. And, um, and for whatever reason, this last $3,000 for it to be processed and dealt with has now taken, it's the longest payment that we've waited on, the longest, the longest thing that we've waited on. But at the end of the day, I am reminded of it's like, and it's easy for me to forget about this one because the check is so small, the fee on it, you know, sometimes can appear to be insignificant, but I love that every so often I'm getting that email in my inbox of ink reminding me and letting me know, Hey, this, there is, there is still work to be done here. And I love that ink doesn't let you forget. It's going to remind your customers that sort of follow-up has now been taken off your desk. It is automated through the ink system. And if for nothing, no other reason, then that's, that's another great thing that they do for you. So, um, we're going to get into um, that's going to wrap up round two and round three is going to be really pretty interesting because we've kind of we've already covered all the other stuff, kind of how the checks come in and how we monitor those things. But ink is up to some really interesting things that I can't wait to talk about. And um, round three starts right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage, 
and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, and Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigantz. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service and SEO search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E. Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E, and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round three, advanced funding. I really wrestled with this round. I wanted to call it creative financing is really what I wanted to call it. But let's right. let's talk a little bit about advanced funding. I want to give a shout out to our contractors out there that are listening to us faithfully and the public adjusters guys if you're not getting your contractors on board with this that is something that you definitely need to do and i think what ben's about to share with the world here is going to make things really really interesting for everybody so ben tell us a little bit about the advanced funding program that you guys are working on kind of unpack that for us definitely definitely so you know when those checks have a mortgage company on it right um everyone knows when it has a mortgage company on it, they think about a monitored claim and how painful that can be. Uh, the good news is not all of them are monitored, right? And actually the non-monitored ones um, with one of our, our partners, I did a recent audit and 95% of the not monitored uh, files came back in 21 total days or less. So uh, that, that process is pretty dialed in, but that is still a three-week process. So um, also when you get to, to monitored, then they only want to release a small amount for a roofing claim. And you're not going to build the roof in stages and do those inspections like you would on a, on a whole home being rebuilt. So how do we kind of not really beat them at their own game, but how do we solve that problem? And so what Inc. has developed is advanced funding programs to be able to get the contractor funds up front. They can order their materials. They can hire the labor. They can get the job done. And all while Inc. is working in the background, helping them collect the documentation, send it to the mortgage company, communicate with the mortgage company, they release those funds, and then the, the contractor can just pay us back. And so we got two different things with advanced funding. You can be on the 1.95%, I call that 2%, um, and that is 80% of funding of the check or of the claim, depending on how the, the checks kind of lay out there. We also have a 3.95 option, and that is a 100% funding of the of the claim amount or the check amount, kind of depends. Um, but what that allows you to do is kind of go the other way around the barn, right? And, and it's almost a cheat code because the only reason that the, the mortgage company is monitoring the claim is because the work is not done yet. And they're, again, they're worried about the homeowner getting liquid cash and not making the repairs. They're worried about the contractor not making the repairs. So... If we show them, hey, the the work is already done, they just release the money, regardless if they've done a monitoring or not monitored status on it. So there's what that allows to you to do, that point. there's, nothing, is, to there's nothing to monitor. Yeah, yeah. there's no reason. Um, and so what that allows you to do is keep your, your production schedule, your production manager, your laborers, keep everything consistent. So for two or 4% to get 80 to 100% of the funding you need to go ahead and build the job, that, that changes the game because now you can keep that production schedule tight. Um, you have predictability. It's not just, well, what does this mortgage company want? Well, what does this mortgage company want? You know, you're not floating all your jobs. Now, obviously, there are contractors that have been very good with their funds, right? And they have the ability, if they so choose, to go ahead and take a small deposit or take no deposit, take the, 
whatever as as golden go ahead and build the job now i i would be in the percentage of the people that say some type of happy medium is necessary right no no contractor and no homeowner should be fronting all of the work or all of the money for the work to be done before the other party fulfills some of their obligations right and so this allows you to take you know take funds up front go ahead and build the job you get predictability in it and it's 2 to 4% it's the cheapest money in the industry and also ink is solving both of the problems so you know you can factor um, your way out of part of this issue, right? By by taking a loan, you know, the homeowner could take a loan if they wanted to, right? And go ahead and get the contractor going. Um, there's You can do it that way, but there are factoring solutions that are in the industry that are helping somewhat um, of with the cash flow, it gets the homeowner to pay their deductible, which is good, especially in the state of Texas, right? Um, but it, at Inc., we also solve the actual mortgage communication because if you're just getting a loan, the property owner at the end of the day still has to deal with their mortgage company by themselves unrepresented. And that is really the pain of the claim. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So that's really where we kind of take both angles at it um, as well. And so that's kind of advanced funding in a nutshell of, of how we use that. Um, in, in those applications. Well, and I, and I even, I, you know, I've been in situations where, um, uh, this was for hurricane Michael and it was a monitored claim and the mortgage company was hanging on to the check and held on to the check until June. Um, and it was, you know, 40 or $50,000. We needed 30,000 of it. The, the, the roof had been completed, all of this kind of stuff. And they were basically hung up on paperwork. It was like, we need to, we need to get the, the right estimate from the carrier. And the problem was, is the, what we were billing versus what, what the carrier had approved were two different numbers. And we were having a hard time communicating that. And the, the, uh, the homeowner had upgraded their shingle to a, to a laminate shingle they paid for the upgrade. Right. And so our invoice included the upgrade right. on the shingle yeah. and what, what had going. been approved, mm -hmm. you know, like that. And so we were given the invoice and we weren't, and we weren't wanting to, you know, and so they would, we couldn't get all of the numbers to match up and we're not going to submit an invoice for less than what's owed to us. You know what I mean? And so there was all, and so they just Correct. kept hanging on, hanging on, hanging on to the money. And we fought it until June or July, um, of the following year. So it was seven months that, 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 that particular roofing company that I was working with went without money. And so one of the things that this gets solved is I have never had an issue with documentations on a monitored claim whatsoever with a mortgage company the entire time that I've used Inc. Now, other people may have had some issues like that, but it's the documentation that Inc. has the ability to communicate to the mortgage company, explain things to the mortgage company that I don't have to get on the phone with mortgage companies. I have not been on the phone with a mortgage company since the day I signed up for Inc. Not one time, not at all. Not ever. And I cannot tell you how nice that is because when it comes down to the money, people want to know where it is. You know what I'm saying? So let me ask you on this, on this advanced funding thing. Um, what if, what if the check, uh, and I, and I'm honestly asking for my own edification here. If you've got like a large amount of depreciation, you've got a very small ACV check. And let's say the amount of that ACV check is not enough money to get things going, but we do have an RCV approval. Do you follow what I'm saying? Right. So let's say Correct. you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of work and you've got 20, you've got a $20,000 ACV payment. And they're like, we'll get the work done and we'll release the recoverable depreciation. And I've seen this happen too many times, right? What is there any solutions right now that Inc. has to offer offer that issue at all? I'm just curious. If not, I'm not trying to expose yeah. something. So that's my question. No worries. No worries. Yeah. So a couple different things. So, you know, really, it's it's a cash flow question that you're asking. Right. And it's right. Well, who is going to who can over who can extend themselves to get the work done to a certain threshold so that the mortgage company releases more money or that the insurance company is holding back a lot for depreciation, like you said. So a couple different things, you know, we have a great partner in moment where the homeowner can do a closed loop financing uh, approval and they can get a certain amount of funds. We, they use that commonly for deductible financing. Uh, maybe they're upgrading, like you said, to class four shingles um, or something like that. Um, but the other thing that we're starting to do in, in beta programs with some of our clients is testing the waters on RCV funding, uh, depreciation funding, um, sometimes there's no mortgage 
on the house, but because it's a large loss, they depreciated the the claim significantly. And so we're working on some different different pilots and different programs that we hope to be able to roll out to the masses sooner than later on being able to fund the job how it makes sense. Now, obviously, all this funding talk that we're talking about, you know, is subject to approval. You know, we have banking level um, underwriting that we do on all of our clients um, to for their credit worthiness and things like that. So it's all subject to that. But once you're approved or once you've um, done a, a conditional approval with us and put some files with it and we know how it's all going to work here and we're comfortable with it, we'll go ahead and extend those offers to you. So I would say, you know, in the coming months and years will be programs with Inc. that you'll be able to take out and go ahead and get the, the rest of the depreciation or get a part of it. Um, at, at a reasonable rate that is not, you know, what some of our, our competition is doing in, in the higher percentages that, you know, add, you know, tend to go towards the 10 um, and double digit, you know, 10% um, and keeping that low and keeping it, making it make sense. But uh, that's some things that we're really excited about. I'm working with um, some contractors actually in the Dallas area on some of that, uh, some that do fire restoration. And so we're really excited to be able to bring new sensible products uh, but also just test it live in the field. That way, when we do roll it out to the masses, we've got, hey, here's all the data from the contractors that we tested this out with, and here's how it's worked great, and here's what, as a contractor, you need to be careful of. Okay, so I'm going to bring up something. That is that is that is awesome that you guys are doing that. Those are, I mean, I've said it, I've said it a thousand times about ink. I, <laughs> they solve more headaches than ibuprofen. Um, <laughs> right. The the other prescription the other, strength payment relief, right? Prescription strength payment relief. <laughs> I love it. I We're love on it. brand today. We're on yeah, brand. Yeah, sign that guy up. Somebody get him an application. Um, <laughs> the the uh, here's a, there's something I want to hit on in the last little bit that we have time, and there's one other topic that I want to cover um, before we run out of time because we're running really close. You guys are pursuing carriers for digital payments, are you not? Correct. Correct. So, yeah, so how do we all get involved and work with that? And can a homeowner get, you know, you know, is it something that you guys are even marketing to the public at this point in time when you have an insurance claim? Because I could see you guys having commercials at at uh, at the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you've got a, I mean, I, I can see a valid <laughs> I can see that be a valid thing when you have an insurance claim. These are the people you need to sign up with. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about how you're even pursuing carriers. Correct. So I am the national account manager uh, for the American Family Partnership that we have. And what we're doing there is is bringing value to the carrier side in in different ways that are pain points for them. So like I always say, you know, rarely do I defend the carriers or mortgage companies in situations. But here's an example um, from because I used to write property and casualty insurance, right? I worked for a brokerage, so I understand what it's like to be the agent on the other side. So you know, the issue comes when you have a claim, what is that homeowner's claim experience like? How likely are they to keep their policy with you or are they just going to go somewhere else? And so one of the things is, you know, the speed to payment, how, how the process go. And one of the ways that the, that the insurance carriers can kind of get hosed in this situation is if the mortgage company has sold the loan and they don't add the ISOA ATIMA or the successor line on the check, the, the check will get cut. You know, you have the date of loss. The check gets cut. If uh, the adjuster comes out, finally gets to the homeowner, they call their mortgage company to figure out what the process is. Oh, actually, you don't have Bank of America. You have Chase now. And so now we have to start that process again. They have to go back yeah, to their adjuster. Under the get Bridge Mortgage Service Company. That's who you have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so what it does is it creates a double, a double or triple administration cost for the carrier. And so what we're working on with our American Family Partnership is, you know, right now we're just processing the checks that they have currently in the system. But one of the places that we want to get to is where they're sending us a digital payment into the Inc. ecosystem. And then we're able to go through those checks and balances digitally with the mortgage company as well. And then able to send those funds ACH to the contractor, adjuster, and back to the homeowner if there's some trades not being done or something like that, right? And so... Getting basically what we're doing is eliminating the paper check, but we're we're attacking it from all angles, right? We're definitely going, you know, full Napoleon, right? We're gonna we're gonna get them from the flank, we're gonna get them from the front, and so, you know, 
trying to get these dinosaurs of companies to evolve into the 21st century and say, hey, we don't have to send pieces of paper anymore. We can do it securely. There is a, 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 a runway here where we're already doing this with checks without mortgage companies. So that's another way that we're attacking it. We're super excited to be working with American Family and their brands. And I think it's only it only expands industry wide after this after this goes through, you know, the proof of concept and and they really see those savings. How many states are y'all doing that in with American Family? Do you know? So it kind of it's a it's only a handful right now, but it's just because they're rolling it out to certain adjusters. Um, The adjusters are, um, you know, bringing it up to the homeowners. A lot of them are larger losses. So. Um, we're able to help with the monitored side a lot, but we've also had some not monitored. So it really depends. We've had a lot of West Coast um, right now, but you know we hope to roll it out not only just you know just to them, but also you know to other carriers um, as well. And another thing that they save a, a ton on, where where it makes sense for everybody, right? But it really makes sense to the carrier is on ALE coverage D of your home insurance policy. Sure. So that yeah, additional man. living yep. expense. And so when we're able, that's another big save, another big play with us, with the carriers is, Hey, if you guys will send us digital payments and we're able to process all this through, you guys are going to get your homeowners back in. Therefore they're going to eat up less of their ALE um, or they're not going to go over. And therefore they're going to blame, you know, they may falsely blame the carrier, even though they signed a, a policy or contract that had really low ALE coverage and so now they're, you know, putting out on, you know, on their own um, for until their claim is, you know, until their home is repaired. And so that helps eliminate that as well. I would also guess that in any kind of direct pay situation, when you have vendors or whatever, ink pay could solve a lot of problems for the carrier in that, too. I would think that there's a lot of different avenues that we could get into, you know, as far as when if we could get the carriers on board with this thing. Now, I know they're not going to listen to me. Right. And so I appreciate that that Inc. is actually out there doing the work with the carriers and, and kind of leading this charge from a from a, you know, non-biased, non-claim involved kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? They're not, they're, you know, it's like Ben is not here endorsing how well they pay claims. He's just endorsing that when they do, we're going to make it easy for you. You know what I mean? So exactly. so all yeah, you public exactly. adjusters out there realize Ben can't help you make them pay it right. He's just when they do pay it, he's going to help you manage that money. So. Um, that they do release, we can definitely get those flowing faster and easier. One of the things that I kind of want to hit on that I hear a lot of people talk about when we're talking about payments is the rash of 1099s that a lot of public adjusters get from carriers. You know, so you'll get often you'll get a 1099 um, M, which stands for 1099 miscellaneous, I think is what it stands for. That You get these different kinds of or you'll get a 1099 non-employee NE kind of thing. They send you these contract labor, essentially 1099s, but you don't have a contract with them. So that's a really easy process to handle. Essentially, what you do is all you have to do is fill out a correct 1099. USAA is one of the worst about about sending you a 1099. So if you have a $100,000 loss and they write a $100,000 check and they have the homeowner's name on it and they have your name on it, well, you're not an insured. This is not insurance benefits for you. And they don't know how much of this check that you're getting. So that's why they send you a 1099. As far as they know, that homeowner is going to sign it off to you and you're getting all $100,000 of it. They don't have any say-so whatsoever. So that's why they're asking you for a W-9 because you are getting funding and you are not a beneficiary of the policy. So that money is going to become income to you and they are going to report that to the IRS. It is on you to send in the corrected amount. So you can either send in zero and then just report it or you can put in, you can correct it to the amount of fee that you collected. Now, one of the things that Inc. will do is if you're running your payments through Inc., you can go back and look at your account history and see how much fee you actually collected on that and what those fees went to. So that's another way that you can even kind of track these payments that came in, because guess what? USAA is not going to send you a 1099 for each individual claim. They're going to send you one, one 1099 for all of the claims that you worked. And so running these things through Inc and letting them streamline your accounting and get your bookkeeper on board and understand all of this kind of, all of this kind of stuff is going to be super important to you. 1099s from carriers are going to be something that continues because you are a non, um, you're, you're not the insured. You're not a beneficiary. You do have a role in the claim. You do have a right to be on the check, 
but that is why they're asking you for a W9, and that is why you were subsequently getting a 1099 at the end of the year. All you have to do is send in the corrected 1099 to them. And most oftenly, you know, you can just write zero and they don't report it. Then it's up to you to report your income for whatever that may be. Or you can actually correct it to the fee that was received and you can track it that way. But it's completely up to you. But you do have to fill out that corrected 1099. And it's right. Your name is rightfully put on it, whether you contracted with the carrier or not. I know I was outraged, too. But you have to understand how the government works. And when when names go on checks, they have a due diligence that they have to keep up with. So, um and again, I'm not going to slow down a payment to my client because I refuse to give them a W-9. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you want to send me a 1099, it's a small administrative task to get that client back to whole again. And so that's not something that I fight over. So I just wanted to throw that little 1099 thing out there. And I'm hoping at some point in time, maybe Inc. will jump into that and help supply us with a 1099 at the end of the year for all the payments that we run through them. But, you know, we'll wait and see if that happens because I know you guys are always innovating. For sure. I definitely think we need to put it on the list. That's for sure. Any final thoughts, Ben? Yeah. I mean, just overall, you know, the way we look at it is just really helping, right? And so we're, we're trying to do predictability with cash flow. We're also trying to give you visibility. We're also just trying to give contractors and restoration professionals solutions that make sense, that provide a better experience for their claim restoration with their property owners. And so this is a definitely a differentiator. Um, we have a lot of contractors that, you know, will hire PAs or that will hire supplementers and, and they will battle the insurance company on the amount of claim that's paid. And then we will battle the, the mortgage company if necessary on how those you know funds are dispersed. So overall, that's really the point of it. Gives you visibility, gives you tracking, gives you predictability. And also you get a company that's on your side and understands what it's like. You know, the founders, Ken and Ryan, you know, Ryan was a contractor and Ken you know, still is a public adjuster. And, you know, the story is, is, you know, they, they walk into a bar and we're discussing, you know, how just the pain around, you know, monitored claims. And so that's where this all came from. And so you get people that are from the industry that understand your pain points, understand how to innovate, understand how to get the funding people on board uh, to release these funds in a, in a smart way. And that's really what we're here for is just to be advocates for everybody in the process. Obviously, at some point, you know, we, we plan on doing integrations where, you know, the contractor can then pay their beacon or pay their SRS bill, uh, pay their ABC bill, you know, pay their laborers directly. Um, so there is, you know, ways that you can do that right now, uh, but we'll, we'll always keep expanding and keep innovating. Um, and, and the goal really to me, if, if you ask my personal opinion, Inc. wants to become the verb in payments where everybody says now, hey, you know, great, we went to movies last night, we went to dinner, go ahead and Venmo me half of it. Um, you know, the, uh, the contractor, the adjuster, the attorney, just ink me the money. And that's the future that we're really, yeah, there about. we go. We want to become the verb. Yeah. Ink me the money. I love it. Um, guys, Ben Fike of, of ink payments. I am so glad that you came on. Um, Ben and I are actually in the throes of planning something really big. I let you guys know about it last in last week's podcast. I believe that came out, um, as we're speaking right now, people are listening to it. Um, it's kind of the, the podcast where I kind of let the cat out of the bag. It's, um, we're actually putting together a training for you guys. Um, that Inc. is going to be a great, big, huge part of. I am excited to be partnering with them on that. I'm looking forward to all of the great uh, benefits that they bring when it comes to controlling the narrative of the claim process. And I, I couldn't be more excited to partner with these guys. We have been great friends since the day that we met. Ben and I have absolutely hit it off, and we are constantly trying to work on ways to keep you guys ahead of the curve and help you keep your guard up so you don't get sucker punched. But guys, we will be back next week. But in the meantime, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one. Yes, we're coming up. Don't even try to diminish it. I won't start it, but I damn sure will finish it.